How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Buddy's House of Horror Podcast. I've got another short, sort of laid-back show for you guys today, and another show that I'm actually really looking forward to, and looking forward to doing more of these, if you guys are interested. Um, earlier on the show, um, this month, I talked about how I visited the Haunted House Restaurant in Cleveland, and today I'm going to be covering another Cleveland-area event, a staple of this area of Ohio in an event that I've never been to before besides this year. This year is my first ever trip to Cinema Wasteland. Um, of course, the Movie and Memorabilia Expo. Um, it's been going on for many, many years now, and I've always heard about this illustrious festival for years, and I've never had the opportunity to go. And, of course, last year was my first year really living in Cleveland full-time, and of course, due to COVID and everything, the event was canceled. Um, so I was really looking forward to being able to go this year, and this year, I went. And I'm just here to talk about my general experiences at the Cinema Wasteland Expo, um, which I'm very excited about. I'm very happy that I was able to attend this year. I didn't get to attend for as long as I would have liked to, um, and we'll talk a little bit about the history of the Expo, my experience at the Expo, some of the, my favorite aspects of it, and some of the things I wish I was able to experience, because as I said, I wasn't there the entire time. So it's a three-day event, so it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, this year it took place <clears throat> right at the beginning of October. That's when it usually takes place, um, usually the first weekend of October. Um, so it was October 1st, which was Friday, October 2nd, which was Saturday, and October 3rd, which was Sunday. I was only able to attend the Saturday um, portion of it, and only briefly. I didn't get. I wanted to be there for the full day, um, but I had some family commitments in the morning, um, so we didn't end up getting there until pretty later on in the afternoon, um, which is unfortunate, but I still think I got my money's worth um, for everything that I was able to do and all the films I was able to see. Um, tickets were $30 per person on Saturday, um, so it does sound a little steep, and I think this year was actually the first year it was $30. I believe that they increased the prices, probably just due to the fact they probably need to make up a little bit of money having to cancel the event um last year they do two events per year it's april and in october um and of course in 2020 they weren't able to do um cinema wasteland that year so this is the first time it's been back since the covid pandemic of course the pandemic is still going on they did recommend that you wear masks um if you feel comfortable wearing a mask if you're vaccinated you don't have to um, you know, just the typical mask rules that pretty much all local businesses and events have been doing um, recently. It's, ba it's basically up to the people um, if you want to wear a mask or not. But if you're not vaccinated, obviously, it's strongly recommended that you wear a mask. Um, and this year, as I said, it was my first year, but I had been hearing about it for, I don't know, about a decade, I guess. I've been hearing about Cinema Wasteland, people going to it. Um, of course, Midnight Miles, Dynamite Jared, my friend Aubrey, um, just a lot of people in the, in this area of Ohio really enjoy this event, and I've just never really lived in the heart of the Cleveland area or had the weekend available, um, where I was able to drive up to Cleveland and go to it, except for this year. So, very excited I was able to go, as I said. So, a little bit of background about the event in general. Um, and I'm getting this right from their website, cinemawasteland.com, if you guys are interested in more information. So Cinema Wasteland started out as a collector's video service in the late 80s known as Video Wasteland. 
in the spring of 1993 with more and more independently owned video stores being sucked up by the sterile, uncaring, and totally in-it-for-the-money corporate video chain stores, we officially opened a rent-by-mail video service that specialized in rare, out-of-print, and hard-to-find drive-in-era horror and exploitation films. We created a niche service of horror movie fans that was often copied, but never duplicated. Soon after we opened our rental service, we added movie memorabilia, posters, and assorted collectibles to the film selection we offered, and have since become one of the leading sources of original 60s and 70s horror and monster movie posters, at some of the best prices around, I might add. In September of 2000, we held our first Cinema Wasteland Movie and Memorabilia Expo and kicked off the Wasteland version of a movie convention in a grand style by presenting the first ever Dawn of the Dead cast and crew reunion. So the first ever reunion happened at Cinema Wasteland in 2000. Due to fan response, we added a second movie and collective convention to the mix in the spring of 2004 and currently run a spring show in April and our annual fall show every October. In the years following our first show, we have firmly established the Cinema Wasteland Movie and Memorabilia Expo as one of the leading movie and collectible conventions in the country. Never one to rest on our reputation, we will continue to do our best to stay ahead of the pack with every one of our future shows. By 2003, our once mighty rental service went the way of most other mom-and-pop stores in the country and was shut down by a ridiculous postal rate hikes and the general laziness of a race of people that are willing to click on the TV and pretty much watch any crap thrown against their living room wall. Um, and I agree with that. A lot of people just mindlessly watch TV. Um, now, 27 years after the Wasteland Legacy began, we are still hanging in there as your number one source for everything from aliens to zombies, and amazing enough are now discovering our third generation of happy fans, friends, and customers. Stick with Cinema Wasteland. After 27 years in this business, we promise that you'll enjoy the ride. And this year was actually the 37th show of Cinema Wasteland, the 37th expo that they've done um, from starting all the way back in 2000 and then adding the second show in April. So total, it's been 37 shows. Um, so they've obviously been going pretty strong. The, the interest is still there. The fans are still very interested in this sort of thing. And it's a, it's a whole event. And before, like, when I heard people talk about it, I heard, like, bits and pieces, like, oh, yeah, you can buy stuff there. There's movies, VHS, um, like, home decor, all kinds of stuff. So I didn't really know exactly what to expect because I'd heard so many different things. Um, and, of course, they screen the films as well. And if you ask Midnight Miles, his favorite part of it is that you can just drink beer. Um, he's like, every time I brought up Cinema Wasteland, he'd be like, oh, yeah, that's where people drink beer in the parking lot. That's like all you would talk about. But you know how Miles is. He's, a, he's, an, he's an eccentric individual. Moving on to this wasteland specifically. So that was the history of Cinema Wasteland, how it became to be, um, and what it's been doing for the past over 20 years. And 2000 was the first one, and then now it's 2021. So this festival, as I said, was held on October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 2021. It's always held at the same hotel, pretty much. It's this hotel um, down in Strongsville. Um, it used to be a Holiday Inn, but now it's changed to a Best Western. Um, but it just takes place, everything is down in the lobby floor, um, so it's not like you have to go up or anything, it's all right there on the main entrance. Um, there's a big main dealer guest room, where that's where all the vendors set up with their um, booths, there's like meet and greets there, 
Um, that's where everyone goes to do the shopping. There's two movie and guest rooms, so it could be either a screening of a film or like a guest speaker. Um, and then on the outside, I mean, of course, I mean, it's a hotel. I mean, there's like a lobby bar and restaurant and stuff like that. Um, and there's a gas station right next door if you need to do a beer run <laughs> or anything like that. Um, I didn't want to get one at the bar. Um, so this year I will read um, their description for this year's expo from their website again. Um, movies, movies, and more movies. We cram in as many drive-in movies, independent films, and shorts as we can pack into a weekend. You'll find movies and shorts on real 16mm film in our 200-seat film room, and all kinds of indie films, shorts, and guest-related features in our smaller 100-plus-seat DVD projection room, all weekend long. Q&A sessions, live movie commentaries, guest talks, and movie introductions. Our guests are always willing to interact with attending fans, and we've come up with all kinds of fun stuff for them to do over the years. Let's see what we can come up for the next show, shall we? Surprises and more surprises. With most of our shows we run, things fall together a few weeks before showtime. Be sure to check back as the show draws closer to see if we have more surprise guests, additions, extra film screenings, or special events added on to the weekend schedule. Every Cinema Wasteland movie and memorabilia expo offers attending fans over 60 hours worth of movies and programming over the course of the three days. And it's all 100% free with the price of admission. It could be a bit overwhelming, so be sure to check over the complete weekend schedule of films and events before you arrive so you can plot out your weekend early. The weekend schedule is usually posted three or four weeks before any given show. And then on the website, of course, it has... A description of a ton of the movies that are available to watch um, on the on the days of the event, and of course, there's a little brochure, like pamphlet that they give you when you get there, um, that has a list of all the films that are screening and all the guest speakers and all that kind of stuff. On the website, it says, "And what about the movies?" You ask. You can't have a movie convention without them, can you? Absolutely not. And we plan on showing plenty of films on both 16mm film and video at Cinema Wasteland, many of which may be hosted by the stars and directors appearing as guests at the show. Our evening film show is free to all attendees and hotel guests. Um, so then it lists all the films based on if they are 16mm or if they're just showing them on the DVD or whatever. It has a category for all the 16mm films, and it has a category for all the ones just to watch on video. Um, I'll read the descriptions and stuff a little later on of the films that I saw, um, and give my quick reviews and opinions on the films that I had the opportunity to check out and watch. Um, but just overall, I guess we'll talk about the main dealer room. Um, to start things off. So basically, this is the room where all the vendors are. There were tons of people um, selling VHS tapes, horror masks, um, just DVDs, Blu-rays in general. There was like stained glass, um, horror coasters, horror t-shirts, um, just any horror memorabilia you can think of. I mean, there was jewelry, jewelry boxes. Um, the Mummy and the Monkey were there, of course, the beloved... Um, personalities um, who host a podcast and they, ha they have um, their show where they review B-movies and stuff like that. It's sort of like a Sven Gulli or, you know, s scenarios like that, like Goulardi and stuff like that. Um, very similar to that. So they were there. There were some other guests there in the showroom. Um, but it was mainly just a lot of people selling VHS, DVDs, 
um, and stuff like that. I actually didn't end up purchasing anything uh, because, as I said, I got there a little bit later than I expected. Um, so things were pretty much picked over by the time I got there. I mean, I'm sure that, and I mean, this isn't technically something you're supposed to do, but they do have some vendors that'll, like, sell stuff out of their hotel rooms, like, the really, like, rare stuff that they don't want to bring out onto the floor. Um, it says, like, in the guide for vendors that they're not allowed to do that, but I don't think there's really any way for them to enforce it. Um, so there are some people that do that, uh, but we didn't actually go to any of the, the hotel rooms to look at any of that kind of stuff. I didn't end up buying anything. Miles got a couple movies I went with. Um, I met Miles there. And he had been there pretty much all day, um, and me and my wife Emily went um, together, so we went there in the afternoon, Miles had been there pretty much the entire day, so he watched a few more films than we did, um, and maybe sometime I'll have him on the show just to talk about his experience at the event this year, because um, he has he was there for a lot longer than I was, so he'll be able to talk about some of the films that I wasn't able to see. Um, but this is just my experience, so the main dealer room was... There was a lot of stuff in there. It was very packed. Um, there was a lot of people buying stuff. There was a lot of really cool stuff there. Um, just I just didn't end up purchasing anything because I mean I'm trying to trying to watch my money a little bit. I don't need to be dropping like thirty forty dollars on a tape and stuff like that all the time. Um, so, but it was cool to just go in there and look at everything. It was cool to see the people. Of course, there were some people dressed up. There were some people that were just wearing really cool merch. Um, it was just a really good vibe all around. Um, and of course people have been there all weekend and all day and night, so I mean, you'd see people in the lobby just like passed out in chairs and stuff like that. Uh, I was dozing off at parts, because even though I got there late, I, we were still there a long time. Um, because, I guess moving on after the expo, that's when we started watching some of the films. Um, there was a little bit of a gap, so we stood outside and we're just talking to people and talking amongst ourselves for a while. And... Um, the main attraction for these is watching all of these films. Um, they played a bunch of them on Friday night, and they had more on Saturday along with guests. Um, I wish, and, and it's not just horror films, like, they showed, like, documentaries. There was, like, one about wrestling in Detroit. Um, I didn't get the chance to see that because that was only on Sunday, um, and we just went on the Saturday. Um, and there's a lot of cool stuff that I wanted to see, but I actually didn't get the chance to. They had Xander Vorkov, the drive-in Dracula himself, um, introducing Dracula vs. Frankenstein. Um, one of the three Dracula vs. Frankensteins that came out in the early 70s. Um, but probably the most famous one. That's the one that I have on VHS. Um, so I'm so bummed that I missed Xander Vorkov introducing the film. That would have been absolutely a treat to see. It would have been great to meet him and everything. Um, and they play, like, the Three Stooges on film. They play, like, a bunch of old Halloween cartoons on film. And, like, in between the stuff, at least in the films that we watched, they had, like, little intermissions where they would play a bunch of old vintage ads, of course, which were also all on film. Which So it was really, like, a great experience. Um, I, wish th I wish they were able to do this at, like, a drive-in or something. It w because these are all, like, drive-in era, like, grindhouse exploitation films and stuff like that. It would have been cool to watch them outside. Um, I wish someday to be able to watch films like this, like, on actual film, like, outside. I think that'd be really, really cool. Um, but yeah, they had tons of guests, they had tons of films that were playing, there's no way I'm gonna be able to go through all of them. On Friday, October 1st, the film started at 4 p.m., 
and the film, the last film started at 1.15 a.m. So it went pretty much all day and all night. On Saturday, the film started at 9.30 a.m. Um, with a bunch of stuff going on. The Mummy and the Monkey actually kicked off Saturday with their show, and they introduced one of the films. Of course, on Saturday was also when Sandra Vorkoff um, introduced his film. The first film that we were able to check out started at 8.15. Um, of course, we had been there before that, but we were in the shopping room doing stuff, buying a bunch of things. Um, well, I wasn't, Miles was. But we were in the shopping room talking to people, hanging out and stuff like that. So the first film we got to see was starting at 8.15. Um, but we got there a little bit early into the cinema that we were going to be watching it in just to get a good seat and then we were actually able to catch about half of the film that was playing by the time we got in there. In that film, which started at, I think, I think it'll tell me right here, it started at 5.30. Um, Robert Hammer and Flo Lawrence meet with fans and do an introduction to Don't Answer the Phone. So their introduction started at 5.30, and the film probably started at 6.30. Um, and Don't Answer the Phone is from 1980. Kirk Smith, a disturbed photographer and Vietnam veteran, terrorizes Los Angeles by going on a rampage, strangling lingerie-clad women in their homes. After each murder, he calls radio psychologist Lindsay Gale and taunts her on the call-in radio by describing his sexual hang-ups in misogynistic ways. Eventually, he turns his attention to Dr. Gale. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Chris McCabe always seems to be two steps behind our hulking psycho. Robert Hammer, who produced and directed and wrote the screenplay, only made this one feature before the frustrations of trying to produce another film caused him to rethink his entire career path. He hit a homer as far as Wasteland movies goes with Don't Answer the Phone. It was the perfect drive-in movie that the CW promoter caught three times on its initial theatrical release. Um, and we were able to catch the last half of this film, pretty much. And from what we saw, I mean, it was fun. It was campy. Um, there was a really great scene where the psycho killer, he gets handcuffed, and he literally flexes and breaks the handcuffs in half. Um, he, gives a pre he gives a really good performance, the guy who's playing the killer in this. Um, and the way he meets his demise is absolutely hilarious and great. Um, I don't want to ruin it for you guys, I mean, but I'm going to. Um, because if you guys are interested in this film, it's not really about the destination, it's about the journey. He's getting shot, like, multiple times and falls into a pool in someone's backyard. Um, it's just a great scene. He gives a great performance. He's, like, freaking out, and he has, like, big, like, personality shifts, um, from when he's being calm, and when he's, like, kind of acting like a man-child, and then when he's acting, like, scary. So it's a really fun performance from him. Um, the detective character, from what we saw, was nothing really special. Um, there was a great scene where they're looking for the killer, and they break in, like, the detective and, like, his assistant or whoever he was supposed to be, they, like, break into this apartment, and they're like, alright, we're gonna get him when he comes home, and then the person comes home, and it's not the guy's apartment, and it's just this random, like, nerdy guy, and he's like, hey, you, like, messed up my entire house, you need to pick all this up, and the cops were just like... Well, they they were basically like, well, it's it's too bad. It's either 
you pick it up or we're going to take you to jail for calling us out on wrecking your apartment. Because technically, I mean, they didn't have a warrant for this place, so they were just in there. So they were basically like, you're going to pick it up or we're going to take you to jail. <laughs> so overall, it was a pretty interesting half of a film that we saw. Um, but moving on, we saw the 16 millimeter triple feature, which was starting at 8.15, and it was with a ghastly ghoul taking the weekend off his show. We're filling in the Saturday night 16mm triple feature, kicking things off as the underwater Nazi zombie classic, Shockwaves. And Shockwaves was a very, very fun film. Of course, it was top billing for Peter Cushing, who was only in the film for maybe 10 minutes. John Carradine um, was also in the film. He was in it for a bit longer. Um, but Shockwaves, of course, from 1977. After the boat they were on goes down in a storm, the survivors, including Brooke Adams and Luke Hoburn from the Flipper TV show, find themselves stranded on a tropical island. Peter Cushing plays the only living inhabitant of the island, an aging Nazi SS officer who lives there with an army of blonde, super-Nazi underwater zombies. It isn't long before the creepy creatures rise from their watery graves to attack the survivors. So it was a fun little, like, zombie flick. Um, again, it was very campy for the time. There wasn't too much, like, gore in it. Like, Miles was like, I gotta see some gore this weekend. He was, like, hyping up the three films that we were about to see. None of them were really that gory. Um, but it was a fun story. John Carradine was the um, captain of the ship, so he was great. Um, and it was just fun. This one, I was dozing off a little bit during it because it was just a long day up until this point. Um, but in between films, we actually went and I got some caffeine in me, so I was ready to go for the following two. And something to point out during the screening of this one, about halfway through the film, the fire alarm at the hotel went off. So we all had to go outside, stand out there for like a half hour while the fire marshal came in and like checked the building or whatever. And then we were able to go back inside and start the rest of the film. Um, because of that, they actually cut one of the intermission films that they were doing when they do like the commercials and stuff so they had to cut one of those in either to, in order to start the next film on time which was supposed to start at around 10 it actually started a little bit after 10 i want to say so 10 o'clock ted v mickles camp horror classic the corpse grinders continues the 16 millimeter film screenings the corpse grinders from 1971 the Lotus Cat Food Company is looking to cut a few corners and starts to buy bodies from Caleb, the local grave-robbing cemetery caretaker, so they can grind them up as pet chow. Cats eating the tasty and popular premium cat food become savage little beasts that attack their owners. A couple of veterinarians begin to investigate and discover the truth just in time to find themselves on the receiving end of a B-movie corpse grinding. Classic drive-in horror from our mentor, Ted V. Mickles. Um, this film was a lot of fun as well. Um, it was basically, as it said, it was uh, it was sort of like Soylent Green, only for cats. Um, the cat food was people. So the cats were eating the cat food and going completely insane. There was a lot of hilarious one-liners in this film. Um, and it was very, very self-aware 
um, the film. It wasn't meant to be taken seriously, obviously. There weren't really any name actors in it. Like, there was no one famous like Peter Cushing or John Carradine in it or anything like that. Um, but overall, it was a good time. There was, it, of course, it's a cheesy drive-in exploitation film, so it uses nudity and violence for its appeal um, to get people to go to the drive-in back in that day. And there was one scene in particular that really caught my attention, because at first I was like, this is just so unrealistic. It was the immediate thought in my head. This girl, she comes home from work. Um, I think she either works at the veterinarian hospital or at the food company. I can't remember which one she works for. But she goes home, and immediately upon getting home, she gets in her bra and panties, opens up a beer, and lays on the couch in front of a bunch of candles. And I'm thinking to myself, this is so unrealistic, until I realize that's pretty much what my wife does every single day when she gets home. <laughs> so I guess it's not as unrealistic as I thought it would be. And of course she gets murdered by her cat, that does not happen at my home. My cats are very cordial, my cats are very friendly, snuggly, and are in no way violent. Mr. Moon and Ms. Baby, they are absolute precious angels, they would never do such a thing. So this film ended around 11.30-ish on time when it was supposed to, and then they played the we Wasteland Intermission Reel um, that they were... I think it was a 20-minute reel. They had, like, a couple 10-minute ones and a 20-minute one, so they played a 20 minutes of commercials, movie promos, stuff like that from way back in the day on film, which, of course, was great. And the last film we watched, I think it might have been a made-for-television film, or it was just something weird, because... It was the film, but it also had, like, commercial breaks within the film. So, like, you'd be watching it, and then the scene would end, and then it would have a commercial for, like, sausages or something from, like, the 50s. And then it would go back to the film. So I think it may have been a made-for-TV film, but this film was simply titled Bigfoot. Harry Beasts and Biker Babes. Camp Horror Classic Bigfoot ends the 16mm film screening for the night in Movie Room 1. So this one started at midnight. I think it really started at like 12.05-ish. And it's supposed to be like an, a 70-80 minute film, but with the commercial breaks it made it more like an hour and a half, two hour-ish. Um, so we didn't end up leaving until around 2. But Bigfoot from 1969, also starring John Carradine. Um, instead of the Corpse Grinders, they should have got another John Carradine film um, for the 16mm triple f feature. Just make it a John Carradine marathon. Um, but for the synopsis here, a couple of bikers fooling around in the local Bigfoot graveyard must really piss off the Bigfoot population because Mr. Foot interrupts and promptly makes off with one of the biker's chicks. Her old man trails the creature with the help of aging con man John Carradine, who sees money in capturing the creature. It turns out that the Bigfoot creatures are kidnapping women in order to breed with them and save their race. One of the creatures has to battle a bear to protect a kidnapped biker chick, and the sheriff finally shows up long enough to blow away one of the larger creatures so everyone can call it a day. Watch the former Wasteland guest, Haji, as one of the kidnapped biker chicks. It's been a few years since we've screamed this crowd favorite, so get ready for a real treat when we present the drive-in classic Bigfoot, complete with a bunch of original TV commercials from the era spliced into the film for added fun. Um, so I don't know if they added the commercials in there um, because it was a TV film or they just felt like doing it, um, but it felt like the film had like natural breaks for the commercial breaks. So I'm not sure. Um, but it says it was a drive-in classic, so it leads me to believe it aired at drive-ins. 
Um, so it makes it hard to believe it was a TV film. So I'm thinking it was a drive-in film. At least that's how it's portrayed in the description here. Um, this film was great. The Bigfoot makeup and the well, the the costumes were great. Um, of course, there's male and female Bigfoot. There's a kid Bigfoot in it, a little foot, if you will. Um, there's tons of great scenes in this one. Um, it's really funny. Um, and it's just really campy. It's not very gory or anything, but there's, like, some violent moments to it. The scene where Bigfoot is fighting a bear is a treat, and I don't know how they pulled that off, because there's some shots where it's obviously a real bear, there's some shots where it's obviously a fake bear, but there's some shots where Bigfoot is fighting this bear, and it looks like it's the real one, not the fake one. So I don't know if Bigfoot was played by, like, the bear trainer or something like that, uh, but the Bigfoot bear fight scene was actually very good given what it was i mean obviously bigfoot was a guy in a monkey suit um but the bear looked real i don't know what was going on with that bear but the bear looked real um all of these films i thought were a great vibe all these films i felt really captured the essence of what i thought cinema wasteland was supposed to be a celebration of the drive-in a celebration of exploitation and low-budget horror films and I thought I had a really, really great time at Cinema Wasteland. Um, it's something I look forward to going to the next one they do in April. I'm definitely going to be there. And I think this is going to be a thing for me to start going to this every year. Hopefully being able to spend a little bit more time um, there than I did this year. Again, I showed up pretty late, um, only from like 5 until 2 in the morning, which sounds like a long time. But when it's starting at 9.30 a.m. on Saturday and you get there at 5 p.m., there's sort of a lot of things you're going to be missing. Um, again, I would have loved to got some tapes, but I knew for a fact all the good ones were going to be taken by that point. I still looked at the tapes and stuff, but there was nothing that really caught my interest. Of course, there were a lot of great people there. Um, I saw one of my former um, actors from Hella Heathridge there. Um, it was great seeing her. Um, and I saw some people I was friends with on Facebook and stuff like that. I was meeting them for the first time. Um, so it was just really great vibes all around. I really liked Cinema Wasteland. Um, maybe we'll have Miles on the show to talk about it a little bit. And I look forward to going again in April. Um, I think it's a really great time. Definitely go check out CinemaWasteland.com for more information. If you're in the Cleveland area, you gotta go check out Cinema Wasteland if you're into horror films. Um, or if you're in one of the neighboring states, I mean, come up for the weekend. It takes place at a hotel. Um, so it's a really great time all around, and I hope to go next year. Maybe some year people will like the House of Horror enough I can be a guest at Cinema Wasteland doing some sort of introduction or something like that. That'd be really, really sick. Um, but regardless, that's pretty much going to end out the show today, you guys. I don't know how long I've been going. Um, but I really enjoyed Cinema Wasteland. I really enjoyed all the films that I watched. I really enjoyed the experience. Um, really enjoyed hanging out with my friends. Um, including my wife and Miles, my friends, plural, the two friends I went with. Um, but it was just a really great time. Um, and yeah, I'll probably have Miles talk about it a little bit on the next show that he comes on. Um, but that's going to do it for this time, you guys. And I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another episode of the House of Horror. So as always, take care and stay spooky. <laughs>